the Sunday Sermons Podcast. In the Old Testament, there's this great story that's told in two books, the story of Ezra and Nehemiah. It's actually told across most of the Old Testament one way or another. A lot of the uh, prophets tell part of this story. Just for context, just to make sure we're on the same page, the Bible tells one great big story. But in the middle, there's this kingdom of Israel that gets formed, and then it very quickly falls apart. And God keeps sending all these prophets and prophets and prophets, trying to get them to get straightened things out. And he says they're going to go to exile if they don't. Well, they don't straighten things out. They go into exile for 70 plus years. Then God sends his people back and they start rebuilding the temple and the wall. And Ezra and Nehemiah are part of that part of the story. We're going to jump right into the middle at Nehemiah 6, where they've pretty much got the wall rebuilt, but the project is ongoing. You with me? Here we go. When the word came to Sanballat, this is Nehemiah writing, by the way. When the word came to Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall and not a gap was left in it, though up to that time I had set, not set the doors in the gates. Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. But they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message and each time I gave them the same answer. Last week we noted this, that whenever God is doing something good, whenever his people are doing something good, there's always going to be opposition. The devil hates God's goodness as much as God loves it. The devil hates God's people as much as God loves them. And whenever we start getting it right, there's always going to be some issues. I love his confidence here. I love it. He says, why should I waste my time messing with you guys? They're trying to pose me. I'm doing something good that God wants me to do. I'm going to just keep doing it. Story continues. Then the fifth time, Sanballat sent his aide to me with the same message. And in his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written. Notice it's unsealed. This guy's getting desperate. This isn't a letter from the king. This is an official thing. He's just trying. He's trying to impose authority. He's trying to get this done. In his hand was an unsealed letter in which was written. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says that it's true, that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt. and Therefore, you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king and even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. There's a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. So come, let us meet together. Isn't it amazing how powerful threats like this can be? How scary that can be to us? You're going to get in trouble. I'm going to tell so-and-so. I don't think that's... I don't think you can get by with, and and then people love to throw all these other things. Well, I see what you're doing. I'm pretty sure your motives must be off. And I'm going to tell everybody else that your motives are wrong. We've all been in situations like this at some point, and it's scary and it's painful and it's frustrating, and it tends to shut the project down, doesn't it? But I love his reaction. I sent him this reply. Nothing like what you are saying is happening. 
You were just making it up out of your own head. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. Brothers and sisters, that's, that's where we are today. As I said last time, as we walk through this series called Grow, and we, we're looking at some challenges that I believe that God is giving us, some directions he wants us to go, some ways he wants us to grow and deepen in ways that we, bigger and better than we've ever been. It's not that we've not made any progress. It's not that everybody's failing. It's not that at all. There's, this is not condemnation. It's encouragement. We're trying to go even further. I hope everybody's hearing that. And yet there's going to be opposition and it tends to slow us down or stop us altogether. And we've got to be aware of that. Sometimes it's in our own heart. Sometimes it's in our families. Sometimes it's seemingly unrelated things in the church or in the community that seem to be shutting things down. But we've got to realize if we know it's God, he's going to make it happen. Has everybody got that? And what a wonderful prayer. Now strengthen my hands. Fear can make our hands weak, but God can make them stronger than any human or any will ever could. Would you pray that prayer with me real quick before we move on? Just four words. Just look up to God and say it with me. Now strengthen my hands. Hallelujah. So last week, we clarified this vision just a little bit. We talked about how we're using a, an acronym. It's really old. It's from John Whitmore and his, his guys. It's, it's called the GROW acronym. It uses the word GROW. Uh, it stands for Goal, Reality, Options, and Will. So last time, we talked about our goal. And our goal is, as any great church ever has... The same goal, our goal is to become like the Acts 2 church, to be defined by the Great Commission, that we will be like the church was designed in the scriptures as best as we possibly can. And, and, and it's, it, this is 2023, we live in America, it's not going to look exactly the same, but we're always trying to look exactly like that, to grow like they did, to serve like they did, to be filled by the Spirit like they were, etc., etc. We're defined by God's way of defining church. Reality is the second step, and that's where we're at today. And the reality is we serve the same powerful God that they did. The same Holy Spirit that moves so miraculously among them is the same Holy Spirit that moves among us. The same God that they pray to is there. The same Jesus that they knew physically is the same Jesus that we know through prayer and through our traditions and through our study and through his presence when we get things right. It's right there. That's part of our reality. Part of our reality is there's always going to be opposition. Part of our reality is who we are and the specific things that make us who we are and some good and bad things that come with all of our strengths and weaknesses. I think it was Uncle Ben who first told uh, Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. It's not a verse in the Bible, but it almost could be. That's how it works. Whenever God gives us a blessing, his dream is that we use it somehow. If you've got a talent, you're supposed to be using that. If you've got resources, if you've got dreams and passions that go along with God's, somehow or another, he wants you to be engaged in that. So how do we do that? That's what we're talking about today, and let's keep going. First, we need to keep those eyes and arms open. 
If you haven't already grabbed it, please grab your Bible study. And those of you who like to take notes, this is for you. Those of you who are, don't, it's okay. We love you too. I understand. You're probably the majority. But those who like and learn this way, it's there. But I'd like you to also notice something else at the very bottom of this page. It's there every single time. There's a little, uh, one of those QR codes that says connect. If you use your phone on that at any time in this service or any time ever, you take it home and do it, that might be better. I don't know, but that'll take you right to a little connect card where you could give us some information. We could know who you are and what kind of decision God is encouraging you. If you have a question, if there's any way, that's one of the easiest ways you can get through to us. And if you're keeping notes, the first word to write in there is open. To keep your eyes open means that you're seeing. Jesus said that he told a lot of things to those who have ears to hear and eyes to see. He talked about how we have to be able to see what's actually going on. It's, it's not only seeing what's real and true about ourselves, but also keeping our eyes out for new people, watching and focusing on what God is trying to do next. And to keep your arms open means you're not only welcoming others into the kingdom, but you're reaching out actively to them. You're worshiping God. To keep your arms open, you are ready to embrace whatever people or whatever truth he brings to you. The two next words there are the same word if you're keeping notes. It says keep and keep again. So let me read it straight off the page here. It says this. We have gotten where we are and grown this much by doing all the things we do right now. To get even better results, we must keep our eyes on Jesus and keep learning, reaching out and fully embracing the people and opportunities that he provides. In many ways, we're already defined by the Great Commission and defined by our dreams to look like the Acts 2 church. But as we keep our eyes on this goal, we're going to get there more and more. The truth is, though, we can't do it on our own. We need God and we need each other. I recently watched a, a short little film called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. Has anybody seen this one? It's kind of like a postmodern Winnie the Pooh is what it's like. I, I've never seen anything like it. It's from a guy named Charles Maxey, and it's this little cartoon, and those little creatures all talk to each other, and they're way wiser than you'd think they are. Not, I don't agree with every single word they say, but they say some cool stuff, and here's one of them. The boy at one point asked the horse, what's the bravest thing you ever said? And the horse says, help. And the boy looks at him really weird, and the horse says, help isn't asking I'm sorry, help isn't giving up. It's refusing to give up. And that's just genius right there. Whatever else you may or may not agree with in the rest of that cartoon, that's so powerful. That really got me right here. The, to ask for help is when, the moment that you refuse to give up. You realize I can't do this on my own, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to do it. That means I'm going to ask for help so that I can do it. In Revelation, there's so many confusing symbols and so many crazy things, but at the very front of it, it's pretty clear. It's kind of actually hard to misunderstand the seven letters to the seven churches because they all follow the same basic pattern. And I come back to this periodically. I, I keep looking at it and I, I ask God, like, what, 
could you show me how you see us? Could you show, show me how you see me right at this moment? Because here's how he, he does every single one of this. He identifies himself, I am, and tells them something very specific. And they all harmonize. It's all the same God. But he's, there's certain things that each one of those churches really resonated with about God. So he says, I'm, I'm the God who does this. And then the second thing he always says is, I know this and or I see this in you. He sees what they're doing good. He gets it. He's aware of it. And he wants them to know that. I see that you've not done this. I see that you've avoided this. You have done this so well. I see this. I know this. This is so great about you. And then he says, in every single one of those seven letters, then he says, yet, or but, or nevertheless, or something like that, I need you to do this. And then it always ends with the promise, if you do this thing, this other thing, here's what's going to happen. They're great. If you haven't ever read those or if it's been a while, I encourage you to go back through. It's amazing how these were written to literal, actual churches at the time, but they have spoken to ages and eras ever since. They've spoken to people and individuals ever since. They've spoken to different churches and countries ever since they're they're so timeless these truths as literal as they were when they were first written but this is what i'm hoping that we're doing this morning i hope we're remembering together just how amazing god is how amazing his vision for us is and 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 being aware that he gets it he sees the things that we're doing guys i've been involved in this thing called leadership Rome county for a while now and we're going around learning how Rome County works. And I've been amazed everywhere I go that they, they say, well, this person does this and this. And I go, I know them. They're from my church. And all these cool ministries that are happening. And they're like, this is happening. This is happening. And, they go, and this wonderful person kind of got that started. And I'm like, I know them. They're from Morrison Hill. And, 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 and I, I love how this is, I, I'm getting constantly, not surprised, but just more and more excited to see and hear how so many of you are starting to reach out more and more in so many ways. It's wonderful. But we got to keep getting better at it. Are you with me? God knows this. God knows what you're doing. He sees you giving. He sees you helping us pay off the mortgage recently. He saw many of you give really generously to Haiti. You didn't even know them until that Sunday. He sees all the great things that you're doing. He sees this. He sees you using your talents. And and I think he'd love to see you use your talents at the talent show next Sunday. There's a little plug for that. He sees you doing all your stuff and he he loves it. And yet I promise you, there's always going to be something else that he goes, yet, nevertheless, but, and you probably already know that deep in your heart. And that's not condemnation. If it's condemnation and that little voice in your head is trying to get you to give up, that's not God. But if there's a voice in your head that says, you know, you know, there's more, you know, there's more and you could do more. You could. You should team up with this person. You should pray a little bit more. If that's the kind of voice you're hearing, that's the Holy Spirit, y'all. And that's the voice you need to be listening to. Keep walking down that road with him. Because here's the truth. Living things grow. Would you say that out loud with me? Living things grow. If you're writing words down, you write down that next word, grow. And the word after that is relentlessly. 
Let me read it off the page for you. Accomplishing our goals requires facing reality, choosing the best options, and relentlessly finding a way forward. Relentlessly doing that. And we need to stay on a journey. We need to remember that we never totally arrive. The day that we think, I know everything I need to know about this book in the Bible. I know everything I need to know about God or marriage or life or work or whatever it is. The second we think we know it all is the second that we get out of touch. The second you stop growing is the second you start aging, eventually dying. Not trying to be creepy, I'm just being real. The the second that a plant stops producing fruit is the first day toward that's the end of that plant. That's just how God created life to work. This is how it is. We keep growing and we keep producing fruit or we start dying. Those are the only two options out there. And so we, we, it's not that we feel like failures and we've made no progress, but we've got to constantly see ourselves and literally be on a journey that we're going some places. This morning, I'd like to look at several specific transitions that we need to make. This is our reality. And this is, this is how we need to constantly be moving. The first one is we need to keep moving from acceptance to belonging. Acceptance to belonging. Acceptance is where you welcome people. Acceptance is where you don't keep people out. Acceptance is where you're friendly and polite. Acceptance is where you like, yeah, come on in. Belonging is where the person actually is part of your family. Belonging is where some everybody has a role to play. A good illustration of this is, is my family. Um, one of my sons has a girlfriend, and we like her, and she's fun. But she's not quite family yet. She may not ever be family. We're not quite sure where that's going yet, but we like her. We're down with that if that's where it's going. Two of my sons... It'd be great if they brought some girls home sometime. And we'd be really friendly with them and we would be very kind and that'd be really fun. But, you know, they would just be new people and we'd be, as long as they're Christian girls, we're good. That's not a dig on anybody. I'm just telling you the truth. This is where it's going. I've got one son who's married. You know him, Noah Delaney. Delaney's part of our family now. It's on a whole nother level. She's like a daughter. She's like, she's tight. She plays a role that we didn't know we were missing, but it's really cool that it's being played. She's amazing. That's different. And and we've got to constantly be moving that way and helping people move that way. We're not just trying to get people to show up to church. We want them to join the kingdom of God. And hopefully also join our family. And we don't want them to just show up. We want them to play the role that God designed them to play. Acceptance is the beginning, but we've got to constantly be moving from acceptance to belonging. Mark 4.20 says, Others like seeds sown on good soil hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. This is always God's dream for the seeds that get sown. Second journey that we constantly need to be on and be aware of that we are on is we've got to move from knowledge to action. 
It's, it's really easy, especially in a culture like America where there's so many education things, there's so many documentaries to watch, there's so many YouTube videos and TED Talks. And we just have this idea that we can just learn. And it, sometimes we get this feeling if we just learn it all, that's all we need to do. But it's really not, is it? If you watch the video on how to do plumbing because you have a problem, a leak in your house, does that fix your leak? No. Something's wrong with your car. You watch a YouTube video about exactly, you, there it is. That's what's wrong. That's exactly what my car's doing. Does that fix the problem? You got to fix it or ask for help. Maybe somebody else is going to fix it for you, but something has to happen. Knowledge is the beginning and it's so important, but that's not the dream. That's the beginning of the journey. We've got to stay on this journey from knowledge to action. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth and he was complimenting them on a bunch of stuff, trying to straighten them out on a bunch of stuff. Part of his letters, both letters, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, he's dealing with a huge problem, a huge famine in Macedonia and asking them to help and eventually thanking them for their help. In the middle of that, listen to his language here. I love this. He says, since you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge, in complete earnestness, the love we have kindled in you. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. If you read it in context, he's not just saying, just be good givers, whatever that means. He's saying, thank you for giving to this thing. It's kind of like, uh, is anybody like Tim Hawkins? I love Tim Hawkins, the Christian comedian. He's so funny. One of his things is he goes through a bunch of things Christians say that you might not hear outside of church and what they really mean. One of those is Christians will sometimes say, you have a servant's heart. And what that means is, please help me stack these chairs. <laughs> and that's so real. That's so, that's so true. And, and that's, I've used that one many, many times. Um, so, <laughs> but there you go. We've got to move from knowledge to action. You can't be a good servant unless you serve. Does that make sense? All right. Another one. There's two more of these journeys and then we're going to start wrapping up and what are we going to actually do about them? The next one is we got to move from traditional to intentional and don't panic. That doesn't mean that we're against any of our traditions or that we're trying to change them. One of the things that we're not about as a church is just trying to change things. We don't really care about being on the very cutting edge of whatever cool new thing other churches are trying But what we are about, and I just want to be straight up with you about this, and maybe you can help us with this. I'm asking your help. What we are about is just constantly saying, is what we're doing working? It's not about, do we really like hymns or do we not like hymns? Do we really like worship songs? Which, it always cracks me up, they're still called contemporary worship songs. But those are songs that are like written in the 70s and 80s. and You know what I'm saying? Like they're not really contemporary and then there's a bunch of contemporary ones too that I also really like but it's not about trying to change the music it's not about trying to change necessarily it's just we want people to really worship that's the question we're always asking we want people to actually be in awe of God and get lost in the music and hopefully sing it but even if they don't like singing that while we're singing and taking communion and whatever else we're doing that people are actually just throwing themselves at the feet of God. That's our goal, 
It's not about trying to look like this church or that church or sing the songs we've always sung or the ones that these people like or get rid of certain ones that we don't like or these people don't like. That's not the point. We just want to worship. Does that make sense? And this is always the journey that we're trying to be on. It's not anti-tradition. It's just pro-intention. We're trying to always accomplish the goals that God wants us to accomplish. Matthew 9, 17, Jesus said, Neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst and the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. Fourth one is this, entertainment to engagement. This is in many ways just a way to sum up what we've always been saying. It, it, what we've, all, the whole time this morning. If you come and you just want to watch. You want to hear a sermon. You want to be served communion. You want the music to be good. Whatever, however you define good worship music. If you want the seats to be comfortable. If, if you want to have a wonderful experience. That's entertainment. And, and, and as far as being comfortable and entertained and engaged goes, um, if that helps you really engage, we're all about that. But as a preacher, I always, I I would much rather you remember what I said and do what I ask you to do than to go around and go, man, you got to hear that John Breyer. Man, can that guy preach? I don't care about that. Because who cares? There's a lot of people who can speak and they can speak about a lot of different things. But God has asked me to speak to you each Sunday morning and tell you what he wants you to do this next week. And if if you don't actually do it, I'm failing. I'm wasting my life. I'm not trying to be morbid, but do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? My goal is not that you're entertained. My goal is that you actually are empowered and encouraged and, and you're able to actually just go out and do this stuff. Carrie Newoff says, a C-plus plan, well executed, always trumps an A-plus discussion. Isn't that true? And it doesn't mean that we should settle for C-plus plans if there's better plans. But if all we've got is a C-plus plan and we can do it really, really well, let's do that. And then let's keep talking about how to raise it to a B-plus and even better. There's one more kind of goal. There's a lot of these acronyms here. Uh, this one is another one you've probably heard. It came from a survey, from a, I don't know, it was some sort of article in 1981 by George Doran, Arthur Miller, James Cunningham. Uh, I, I've heard this over and over, never seen it even quoted. I, nobody said who wrote it, so I finally did some research. There you go. If you wanted to, you can rewind that and watch that later. Anyway, that's called a SMART goal. Ever heard of these? I've heard about them a bunch from a lot of different sources. S-M-A-R-T, smart goals work best. We must keep clarifying our goals and evaluating our progress all the while accepting and extending grace. Again, the, the day that we start judging each other and condemning each other and just constantly beating each other up is the day we fail. God's people are all about love. But at the same time, we're also about getting God's work done. Amen? And so we work together. We help each other and we actually get this stuff done. And the best way to do that is to make the goals that we set specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-based. 
By the way, this is a life hack that'll work in any area of your life. I've seen this smart goal thing so many places I lost count. It's just true. It's, a, it's about, it works, it's just work. If you just have an idea, I would like to eat better. That's never gonna happen. Okay, it's just not. But if you say, hey, I am going to drink half a gallon of water every day for the next week. That's specific. That's measurable. That's attainable. It's relevant. It's time-based. You with me? It's that simple. And if we can do that with our spiritual goals, we can actually get somewhere. So this is where we're wrapping up today. We're going to go back down that journey thing that we just walked through. And I'm going to challenge you to do something tangible. And if you're really brave, at the end of this, as always, there's going to be an opportunity for you to come forward or go to the back, even if you're really shy, and talk to somebody, pray about somebody, maybe make a public decision. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus in the first place. This is your chance. We've got dry clothes and towels and everything. We're ready to go if you need to get baptized today. You are accepted and you are welcome and you are not pressured in any way to officially join our church. But if you're feeling led to do that, you'll have an opportunity to do that. If you've got something else that God's calling, something specific, there's something in the community God wants me to do. There's something that has been just eating away at my heart. I need to do this. There's a sin I need to stop. I need some help. I need some prayer. Whatever it is, You all right? All right. Whatever it is, we're going to ask you to make a smart goal in that direction. Does everybody understand what I'm asking you? Just, just, it can just be one. You don't have to fix your whole life even. And if you want to use that little QR code, just try that out. You can just say, hey, I, I just like prayers about this. Or this is me, this is who I am. All you got to do is take a picture of it or some of you have an app. There it is. That might be the easiest way to do it. But here we go. We've got to keep moving from acceptance to belonging. So get baptized. Join the church. Join a group. Start, choose to lead a group and let us know you want to do that. And we'll start helping you get that process started. Take leadership in some other area. Do something tangible. Keep moving from knowledge to action. So this morning, that would be, um, you're actually going to not just say, hey, that's a good idea. Excuse me, you're going to do something. At the end of every one of these, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but some, some sort of a way it always says, Lord, I will, and gives you a blank to fill in. That's because we're always trying to get you to take action on it. But this morning, I'd like you to maybe write something down, actually do that. We're going to keep moving together from traditional to intentional. And again, what that means is, The why is bigger than the what. I don't just read my Bible for five minutes every day because it's the right thing to do. Every every Christian should read the Bible. Figure out a way to read the Bible or listen to the Bible or study the Bible with other people or all of the above that's going to actually help you connect with it. It's not about putting in your five minutes. It's about connecting with God. Does that make sense? It's not about, I'm going to always pray at this time and this time, and I'm going to pray for meals. and Really get better and better and better every day at talking to God. What helps you do that? Where do you need to go? When do you need to pray? Why do you need to pray? Work on that. Get really practical and tangible about it. Make a smart goal about your prayer and get more comfortable and more relentless about going to God with your prayers. Entertainment to engagement. 
Every time you have a chance to worship, actually worship. If you're a singer, sing. If you're not a singer, get down on your knees and pray. Sit back down and be really quiet. But don't just wait until the music's over. Take that time to say, God, you are so great. You are so awesome. Pray a prayer. Read the words off. If if you're rhythmic but you can't sing, you can rap them. That would be fine. But but engage with it. Like actually do it. It, The same with prayer and study and any action that God is calling you to make. It's really this simple. It doesn't mean it's easy. But it really is this simple. This is how to grow. This is the reality. You see what your goal is. You see where you are right this minute. You take a tangible next step in that direction. I know you guys can do it. I know you're already doing it. I'm asking you again to take a next step. But would you make it tangible today? Somehow or another, come forward, go to the back to talk to me. Do it online. Somehow, talk to somebody else. Talk to the people in your Sunday school class. Somehow make it tangible in your life. Here's some encouragement, and then we're going to sing and make those choices together. Second Thessalonians 1, 3. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. I believe that's as true about Morrison Hill as it was about the Thessalonian church at that time. Galatians 6, 9. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. And that's timeless too. Would you stand? Would you take a step in the direction God's calling you this morning as we sing to him?